Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will de declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Thank you, Bob. Just make sure this thing is on here. Last, uh, last Sunday after church, um, Pastor Cody and I, uh, he called me up. He said, hey, uh, we're going to go do some, I need some guy time. Um, and I understand what that meant. Um, I understand that in times of losing someone you lost so dearly, you need comfort. And uh, so he called me up and what do guys do? But... Uh, we did do some reloading of some bullets, and, uh, and we went deer hunting, <laughs> and we were successful. So, that, uh, so we got back to the table at, and having supper that night, and uh, bloody hands and stuff like that, and, uh, and he looked at it and says, I got to find someone who can preach for me on Sunday. And he said it about three times. <laughs> And then uh, he looked at me. And all parents in the room know what that look is like, right? It's a universal language that parents use. Uh, we don't need words. <laughs> and my, my mom used to do that to me a lot. And now I do it to my kids. I, I give the look. Isn't it funny how we do things to our kids that our parents did to us? I'm like, oh, I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> so so that's, uh, that's the long of the story here uh, with Pastor Cody and I. But we have a deep friendship, and I sympathize with him. Keep uh, his, him and his family in your prayer. 
it is very, very difficult uh, being a leader or being a pastor. Just, there's so much that's required of you that uh, not much people know. Not, you don't let much people in. Um, but it's a dear friend of mine. Uh, there's a Christian song uh, by, by Francesca Battistelli. And I think it's a song, um, it's called If We're Honest. And there's a few lines in that song. The truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the night, than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to hide. That's a few lines of that song. Isn't that a, isn't that a truth statement? We feel safer to hide in areas of our lives that are not pleasing to God rather than to let the weight of our sin break us before a holy God. One of my greatest fears for us as Christians today is that we continue to live with sin, and yet no sense of remorse, living numb, desensitized to sin. And it's a topic that not much pastors today preach on, because it's, we tend to just want to share what people want to hear. Romans 6, 1, I know Pastor Cody would be pro- proud of me for using Romans. Romans 6, 1, dead to sin but alive in Christ. What then shall we say? Shall we continue sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. By no means. How can we be dead to sin and live, live in it any longer? Like Pastor Cody always says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. I can sit down. I just preach. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. We have to wage an all-out assault. You know, we just looked at the military and, and I served uh, alongside some great men that did the same thing. There are men that uh, lay down their lives they wage an all-out assault. It costs them dearly. If you don't wage an all-out assault on your sin, it will cost you dearly. It's an everyday battle. Maybe it's an every second battle. You're sitting here this morning probably going, there are things going on in your head. There's a lot of stuff that's pulling for your attention. It's an all-out battle that we're all facing. Truth be told. 1 John 1, 9 said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. He's faithful. That's God that we serve. He is faithful. So this morning we want to go before a faithful God. And I want to pray before I start. Lord, this morning I pray that I will decrease so that your spirit will increase in my life. Lord, that's always been the prayer of my life. Lord, help me to get out the way so that your Holy Spirit will speak through me this morning. May the words that I share be your words. May it come from our hearts. And I pray this morning that we will be willing to wage an all-out assault on our sinful nature, just like David. In your son's name we pray. Amen. One of the most deadliest things that we can do 
It's the thing that now that I have said the prayer of salvation, and Jesus is in my heart, there'll be no more struggles. I'm just going to sit here and wait for the Jesus train to take me to heaven. That is so far from the truth. We got work to do. That's so far from the truth. The Bible is filled with accounts of great men and women who struggle in their Christian journey. Struggled in their Christian journey and their walk with the Lord. Just ask Job. Lost it all. Kids, animals, servants. He even got sick. His wife said, why didn't you curse God and die? And I often wrestle with that. Why would, he, why would she say such a thing, right? All the animals are dead and the wife is still alive. <laughs> That's how my mind thinks, right? But God is so rich in mercy. And we'll be talking about that a little bit today. Or oh, even Joseph. Who told his brothers about his dream that he had and they threw him in a well, sold him to slavery. He ended up being tossed into jail for being wrongfully accused of messing with Potiphar's wife. Or even Paul, a great man of God, wrote half of the New Testament. One time Paul was preaching upstairs and a little boy was on the window and he was preaching and the little boy fell asleep and fell through the window. Dropped and died on the ground. Paul walked down, raised the boy back to life, and went back upstairs and preached. Isn't that some? Just like nothing just happened. But on this very occasion, Paul found himself questioning God. He prayed three times. He said, God, remove this from me. Yes, still got denied. Overruled by our faithful God. Because you know why? He said, My grace is sufficient. I don't know if it's just me, but how much of you have prayed, Lord, if you got me out of this one, I pray that I will not do it again. See, there's a lot of you shaking your head because you know it's true. If you got me out of this one, the mess that I'm in, I will just not be the same. As a Christian's there will always be struggles and periods of suffering in our life. Sorry to bring the bad news to you. There will always be struggles. Today we're going to look at about a man who struggled. Who struggled, struggled, struggled. The story is about a man named David. A man who was known as a friend of God. You don't just get that title. He was known as a friend of God. He was also known as a man after God's own heart. But in this particular season of his life, he was struggling. He was crushed by the weight of his sin. David, who danced his clothes off in worship, Goliath slaying David, mighty in battle, harp playing David, love worship. He was strong, 
the people praised him. They sang songs about him. They said, Saul had killed a thousand, but David had killed ten thousand. They praised him. And yet still, he won every physical battle. But this time, he was being beaten up spiritually. Strong people suffer in silence. Yeah, some of you shaking your head, you know what I mean. We don't let people in because it's so hard to do. We don't want them to see our weakness, which is a total opposite. It's our strength. When we can cry out for help. It's our strength. On this very occasion, he was being beaten up spiritually. There are very few Psalms that tells us where it came from. And if you read the heading of this, it says, From the director of music, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Give you a quick insight to this story. Some of you know the story. In 2 Samuel 11, that's why it's found. In verses 1 to 27, King David was supposed to be in battle. Mistake number one. All the men are out fighting, and you're on a couch, and you're a leader. Mistake number one. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, nothing just happens. Just look at the person next to you. Say, nothing just happens. Eric, nothing just happens. Everything has a divine way of working itself out because God is sovereign. Nothing just happens by chance. King David was supposed to be in battle against the Amorites, but instead he stayed home. And you all know the story. He saw this beautiful lady, Bathsheba, bathing on the rooftop one evening. You know, we often wonder why David did such a thing, but I wonder why. Nobody never asked the question. Why was she bathing on the rooftop? There is some responsibility has to be shared on both parties there, right? Yeah, that's, again, that's how my mind thinks, okay? So, bear with me. That's all I think. There is some responsibility that had to be shared. She was bathing on the rooftop. Then David sent his servants to get her. He slept with her, came back, and told them she was pregnant. She came back, told them she was pregnant. David decided to call his, her husband Uriah out from the battlefield, and he had a party for him. Drunk him up and thought, maybe if he goes to his wife and sleeps with her, then the child can be passed off as his. Talk about a soap opera. Better than days of our lives or young and restless or here it is. <laughs> David's creating his own little soap opera here. But Uriah was faithful. He was such a faithful servant. He thought, man, how could I be out fighting? How could I have my men, my comrades be out fighting? And I'm at home enjoying the comfort of my family. See the faithfulness? He was faithful to the king. He was faithful to his purpose but paid the ultimate sacrifice. That didn't work out for David. You know, sometimes when we take plans into our own hands, it doesn't really work out. That's what happens here. It didn't work out in David's favor, so he decided to send a letter with Uriah to his comrade, to his commander. And, to, and the letter read, put, put him in the heat of the battle. 
When the battle got the fiercest withdrawal, the support from him, basically leaving him to die. Woo! I don't know, but uh, I was a soldier carrying a letter like that. Tells me that the commander really didn't care about you. But Uriah was so faithful that he didn't even open the letter, right? Because if I had opened the letter on the way there, I probably wasn't going there. <laughs> then David thought, so that didn't work out. He actually killed uh, Uriah, died in battle. This all happened very quickly. It had to happen very quickly. To make this child look legitimate, David figured out, okay, now that the husband's dead, I'm going to marry her pretty quickly so that the baby looked legitimate, looks like mine, looks like it all happened pretty easy. And this had to be done very quickly. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You know, she had, she had no husband around. If her belly started showing, I'm just being natural. Again, that's how my mind thinks, right? If a belly sad show and she got no husband around, then we start asking questions. Um, what's really going on here? So this is what is happening here. She started saying, okay, I need to make this legitimate. David said, I need to make this child legitimate. So I'm going to marry her really quickly. So again, that's why I said nothing just happens. One thing led to another, another sin covered up by another sin. He got a mess on his hand. And now he's been beaten up spiritually. But God, how much of you are thankful for the but God in your life? Amen. You're thankful for the but God. But God is so rich in mercy that he did not leave David there. He sent a prophet named Nathan. Tough job. I wouldn't want to be Nathan. God did not every day he sent a prophet to him. And Nathan told David a parable about stealing a young lamb from his neighbor. This had to take guts. To tell the king to really have a case against the king for him to indict himself. And David did. Nathan told him a parable about a young lamb and stealing the young lamb, and then the last part of it, I love it, Nathan said, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man who stole the lamb. Wow. Confronting the king, that could have been your last words, but Nathan was obedient to God. Sometimes saying the right thing might make you feel like people around us don't care about us, but being obedient to God is more than just being with the crowd. And Nathan did that. He confronted him about his sin. I want to say something about that. Any time you have someone in your life that cares more for your character than your comfort, somebody worth keeping. I want to say that again. For you younger people in here, anyone that cares more for your character than your comfort is worth keeping close to you. That's what Nathan did. He cared about the king so much that he was willing to confront him and say, listen, this is not right. What you're doing is not right. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, it says, 
but because of God's great love for us. He's not going to leave us there. Because of his great love for us, he is so rich in mercy. How could he be merciful towards something like this? You know, there's a lot of questions when I get to heaven we're going to be talking about. Because, again, that's how my mind works. How could you overlook this? You got a dead husband, a pregnant lady. How, how could you? All finite minds would never understand that. Again, but the but God. He don't think like us. I thank God he doesn't think like us. <laughs> because of his great mercy for us, he never ever leaves us in our sin. He always makes a way out. There it is. Always makes a way out. Like Romans 5, 6 to 7, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get it right because he would have still been waiting. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet nailing him to that thing, he was saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Why were we yet sinners? He didn't wait for us to get it right. You see, God loved us so much that he would lay down his life for our freedom. How can we do anything else but praise God for his mercy? And that's where we pick up this story in Psalm 51 here. There are four things that David knew. And if you're a note taker, there are four things that David knew. First, he knew his God. He knew his sin. He knew God's requirement. And he knew his purpose after he was forgiven. I want to pull that from this Psalm 51 here. First of all, he knew God. He had a deep relationship with God. In verse 1, In verses 1, he says, have mercy on me, O Lord. Out of the gate, he's talking about the mercy of God. Because of his sin, right out of the gate, he's talking about mercy. Have mercy on me. He also talks about God's unfailing love for him. He said, God is a God of compassion. Also in verses 1. God was able to wash him from his sin. That's what he's talking about. From the get-go, he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me. It can almost be like, Lord, if you get me out of this one. But this is what he's saying, have mercy on me. Because he knew what he did. There's nothing like being caught red-handed. He knew what he did. Mercy. In the desperate need of divine forgiveness, sinners can do nothing but cast themselves on God's mercy. When sin disrupts a sinner's fellowship with the covenantal Lord, right there, the cross, or he or she has no right to divine blessing. We cannot be blessed if we're sinful. 
right out of the gate, God is saying, David is saying, I need mercy. I need your mercy. Nobody else but yours. But the Lord has promised to forgive, and his forgiveness is based solely on his love and compassion. Not on ours, but on his love and compassion. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Wow. The God of wonders who created this entire galaxy. We're praying for mercy. Because I've read countless stories. There was once that uh, some guys came up against Moses and, and Aaron. And they were talking about them, this God's servant. God opened up the ground and swallowed up their tents and their families and, I mean, just everything. How much of you are grateful that God don't deal with us the way that he dealt with those guys? I am. Mercy. Have mercy on me. The second thing he knew is sin. He knew his sin. Oh, it is nothing like coming before God. And saying, you know what? I knew I've sinned. Because guess what? If we try to hide it, we're just fooling ourselves. He knows our very thoughts. Think about that for a second. God knows our very thoughts. And yet still, we try to hide stuff from God. Don't fool yourself. He knew his sin. David knew his sin. In the search for forgiveness... David opened up his sinful heart. He opened up his sinful heart. To this end, he uses three, three synonyms for sin. Transgressions, iniquities, and sin. The, the variety of words used for sin is for, is for a poetic reason, as he expresses seriousness of his sin. David is fully aware of his condition before God. Are you fully aware of your condition before God? Before a holy God? David is fully aware of it. He, he confesses, I know, with an emphasis on I. With an emphasis on I. I know. He knows himself intimately. And sees how rebellious he had been. Wow. How could God not forgive that? When you come before God and you say, you know what? I know my sin. And when you think about righteousness, you know what the Bible says? All righteousness is like filthy rags before a holy God. Mercy. David was found guilty. He knew his sins. I remember, I got a funny story. I remember, I remember as a young boy playing outside, and uh, my mom was cooking. And uh, I remember running into the kitchen to grab a glass of water, and while doing so, I look at the pot. She was actually cooking, and, and one of the things my mom hates is actually someone that always goes in the pot and look while the pot is actually being cooked. And, uh, but anyways, I did that, and while, while I was doing that, I actually recognized she was cooking chicken, and I just picked up a piece of chicken, started eating. It was pretty hot, right? 
So I started eating the chicken, and she walked in the kitchen right away. She walked right in the kitchen. And I, this is all my mind thinks. I'm going for a swim. <laughs> this, this is all my mind thinks with the hot chicken. Oh, there she is. I stuck it in my pocket. <laughs> I stuck it in my pocket. So I'm, 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 and then she walks in the kitchen. So we've got one way to get in the kitchen. She stands like this to have a conversation with me. And I'm over here just going like this. And uh, I'm like, this thing is hot in my pocket. And, uh, and she, she went on to have a conversation about absolutely nothing. And uh, she, I'm standing there like this. And, and finally she says to me, and she goes, when you think that no one is looking, there's always someone looking. And uh, up to the day, uh, she shares that story with my kids, and, and we laugh about it, but when you think no one is looking, someone is looking. You know, one of my favorite uh, speakers, I do a lot of, uh, again, this is on my mind, thanks. I, I read a lot of business books and, and stuff like that. And one of my favorite speakers says, he said, God, people look on the outside, and God look on the inside. When they got in common, they're both looking. How you live your life is a sure reflection of the God you serve. How you live your life here on earth is a sure reflection of the God that's inside of you. Somebody is always looking. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let, us light, let our light shine before men that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Not you, but your Father which is in heaven because you know why? You live like him here on earth. David's sin haunted him both day and night. In verses 3, you see that. It says, for I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Always before me. Wow. I'm just grateful for that cross. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that cross. My sin is always ever before me again but God made a way he knows that there is nothing good in him there's nothing good in any of us that's sitting in this room unless God renews his life that's where mercy started he knows that he knows that there's nothing good in him he is fully dependent on God's forgiveness. He's at the very mercy of God's forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of divine grace from God whereby sin is blotted out and the sinners are cleansed by washing away of their sin. The Old Testament, the sacrifice and ritual washing symbolize the removal of sin and the renewed fellowship with God. In verses 7, he says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Back in those days, hyssop was a, a branch used for dipping in, in, in the blood. A priest would use it for cleansing people. You know what David's saying? Not even a priest can work now, Lord. I need you. You're the only one that can cleanse me. Verses 7, he says, cleanse me with hyssop. Make me pure. That's what he's saying. 
Not a priest can work. You are my only priest. That branch was used for, for, clearing, uh, for cleaning houses. You know, back in the day when someone is actually has a cancerous growth or a, a, there's some filth in the house, the priest would come in, and, and, and that was a symbol that the house was clean. You know, they would dip it in blood and stamp it on the doorpost, and that meant that the house was clean. David is saying, listen, you alone can clean me, Lord. You alone are my high priest. No one else can do this for me, but I need you. Again, against you alone have I sinned. Verses 4. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You might think, okay, what happened to Uriah, his wife, the baby, all of this stuff. David is saying, listen, against you alone have I sinned. Because you know why? We all created in the image and likeness of God. How we treat one another. This way shows our relationship this way. How we treat one another this way shows our relationship to God this way. David is saying, listen, against you alone have I sinned, Lord. He's confessing. His confession is more than an, an introspect, as you know, that he has sinned against God and God alone. You know, there's a famous story in Luke 15, 18. It's a famous story of the prodigal son. After he, hit, after he had hit rock bottom, that's what I love. After he hit rock bottom, he's actually started eating all the, the pig's food, and, and, and then he started coming to his senses and recognized, you know what? People in the house of my father actually is better off than I am. Luke 15, 18, it says, I, this is the prodigal son. I will get up and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He came to the realization, listen, I have sinned against God. And he turned and was able to go back. The true sign of repentance is an attitude change. In verses 9, hide not your face from my sin. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. He's praying to God, hide your face. A God who sees all and knows all, he's praying, Lord, hide your face from my sin. In verses 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Wow. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Do you hear the burden in that phrase right there? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He's actually felt like, I'm ready to give in. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to call it quits. Because I have no more joy left in me. But he's praying, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. What about 14? Save me from the blood, God. Oh, God. This, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. 
The purpose that for David's sin to be broken and exposed before God was for God's righteousness to be shown in him. It was never a selfish thing. Delivered me. David's household, it was a sword that never left his household. His two sons followed right after him. If you know the story, got to be killing sin. Or the generation that comes after us will follow. It's a generational thing. He's asking for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive. God is a faithful God to forgive. The third thing, he knew God's righteousness. And he knew God's requirement. He says in verse 6, You desire honesty from the womb. We were all born sinners, right? But yet still, he says from the womb, you require honesty. But I love this one in verses 10. If you don't get anything from my preaching today, may you get this one. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, some versions say. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. The burden that he's burdened so much, he wants the Lord to renew him. And only God can do that. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. In verses, it, in verses uh, let's see here, in 16, it says, You do not de delight in a sacrifice, so I will bring it. He had all the animals. He could have killed any one of them for God, for this blood to be poured out before him. But that wasn't going to cut it. He says, you, you, you delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasures in burns offering. At this point, that stuff didn't matter. That stuff didn't matter. He had all the wealth that he had. And he couldn't get him out of this one. Because he was burdened on the inside with his sin. But I love verses 17. It says, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. David was broken about his sin. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Wow. A broken spirit before God. How much of you, that's your prayer. God, break me on the inside that I may more look like you every single day. On my job, when I talk to customers, when I, talk, when I, when I interact with people. Lord, make me more like you. May I just not read this thing. May I live it out. May I take this thing from the park from here to the parking lot to my home and live it out. 
That's what David is praying here. A broken spirit within him. He knew God's requirement. And he had confidence in God. James 4, 14, 5. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who have ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who are, able, who are, who are unable to em, em, empathize with our weakness. Empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Approach God's throne with confidence, knowing that our sin is before us, but God's mercy is greater. Let's approach his, his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you see the word again? That we may find mercy. Or Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way, yet without sin. Second Chronicles 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. I will boast all the more gladly in my witness, in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. 2 Corinthians 12, 19, that the power of Christ may be rest in me. I will boast about my weakness so that Christ will be glorified. The fourth thing, he knew his purpose after he was forgiven. In verses uh, 14, save me from the blood, God. But with one purpose, so that I may teach rebels your ways. Was not selfish for David to ask for forgiveness, but there was a purpose so that the kingdom could again call on the Lord. Oh Lord, open my lips, verses 15, and my mouth will declare your praise. Open my lips so that my mouth will declare your praise. It was never selfish. It was never a selfish thing. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Wow. Joyfully sing of his forgiveness. Verses 15, it says, Unseal my lips, O Lord that my mouth may praise you. He felt like, you know what, the sin was so heavy that it sealed up his mouth. He couldn't even praise God. So I want to land the plane with telling you about this little story.
there was a man who traveled a lot for his work. He had no wife, no kids, no family members close by. All he had was some goldfish. It's probably a sad thing, right? All he had was some goldfish. He loved them so dearly that he gave them names. And he had these fish for a long time. Upon, upon returning one day from his trip, he fed the fish and talked to the fish like he normally would. And one cold winter night, after he fed the fish and went to bed, his thermostat quit working, and all the fish died. Because the water was, was too cold. He was stricken with grief. The only question he could have asked is, could it be that this fish was crying out for help and no one heard him? And I'm afraid that some of us are sitting in this room right now on the inside. We got the armor of Christ on, but we're being punched on the inside. Could it be that we're crying out for help and we feel like no one's hearing? But I want to tell you this morning, don't leave here that way. You're burdened, you're heavy. Don't leave this church this way. You walked in with that burden, dare not walk out. I double dog dare you not to walk out of here with that burden. I want to invite the worship team at this moment. I believe there's some of you that's crying out, God, where have you been? My sin is ever before me. I'm being punched on the inside. I feel like I want to give up. I feel like I want to quit. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He would never leave you nor forsake you. He promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. But he's going to be with you to the very end. I know when I get to heaven, all I want to hear is, well done. It's the only words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. God is a God of mercy. And this morning, you're probably here and you just got a lot on your mind. And you feel like the world is crashing down on you. Don't leave yet the same. Would you stand with us as we finish up with these last two songs?